the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Whether that finish line comes by the rapture or by death, there is the joy of being with Christ. Think about that. It's the joy of of being free from sin. Can you imagine waking up and not having sinful thoughts and and not having sinful motives and, and not struggling with attitudes? There's the joy of being free from pain racking our bodies. Imagine the joy, no more disease, no more pain and, and tears. There's the joy of being reunited with, with saved loved ones. Imagine that. What a thrill. The joy of serving and worshiping Christ with with absolute perfection. I'm not sure we can fully comprehend just how incredibly wonderful it will be on the other side of that finish line for authentic Christians. It will be unlike anything we have ever experienced. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. This is Peter Silseth. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 26 years at Lakeside, and now we at Verse by Verse Ministries are pleased to make his practical, expository, or verse by verse messages available to the listeners of this great radio station. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will deliver the second part of a three-part message, his second of two messages about the helmet of salvation. In order to be better prepared for the spiritual war that continually assaults us, we have been learning over the past few weeks about the purposes of the various parts of the armor of God. We find them listed in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Here's Pastor Steve. I remember one of the uh, one of the times we were in Israel. One of the people on our tour had some uh, personal struggles, and Michelle said to me, "Isn't this interesting? We're in the Holy Land, but that doesn't make you holy, does it?" And that's true. That's true. It's it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Well, that is precisely what the Hebrews of this New Testament letter, uh, what they were battling with, what they were experiencing. They were Jewish people, and thus the name Hebrews, who had become identified with Jesus Christ. Now, a closer look at this book seems to indicate that not all of them were saved. Some of them were saved, but others had not yet come to to full faith in Christ. They might have been moving along in that direction, but they were associated with Christianity. And because of that, they were now paying the price by being persecuted. And they were tempted to just quit to throw in the towel, to just give up, pack their bags, return to the safety of Judaism that they had grown up in. Temple worship and and the synagogues and the sacrifices and the high priest, enough of this Jesus. We never had life so rough since we identified with him. And that's why we read such interesting and important statements as, for example, look at Hebrews chapter 10. I think this is a very misunderstood verse, but it's so critical 
to, uh, to, to grasp this. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. The writer says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now watch this. This is what's misunderstood. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the common interpretation of this is that the writer is saying, hey, listen, don't, don't keep missing church to play golf or to take your boat out on the Mediterranean or, or wherever they were taking their boat. Don't do that. You gotta be in church. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about missing church once in a while. This is about abandoning Christianity altogether. This is about forsaking the gospel and and returning to the security of Judaism. And why were they doing this? Why were they tempted to do this? Why were some of them leaving and they left already? Because it's tough to be a genuine Christian. Nobody enjoys persecution. Nobody welcomes that because it's fun. The demands of discipleship invite hostility. In fact, Jesus gave in Matthew 13 a parable. It's called the parable of the sower in which he said a sower went out and threw some seed and some fell on. He mentions different grounds that they fell on and and the the soil refers to the heart attitude. Only one group, only the, the good soil received it and and uh, the seed brought forth fruit. But there is another soil that looks like it receives the truth. It springs up immediately, and it looks like the real thing, but Jesus said it's not. He said it's not. They just have a temporary association with Christianity. Because How do you know that? Because when persecution comes, they fall away. That's the mark, one of the marks of being a true believer. A true believer, when persecution and affliction arises, uh, it may be tough for him or her. He may struggle, but they'll press on. They're not abandoning the gospel. Unbelievers are not like that. They're out of here. This is not what they bargained for. They want all fun. They want all joy. Jesus said, and when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. True believers do persevere. And these people we know were not genuine Christians or else they would have continued in the faith. Remember what 1 John 2.19 says. John tells us that if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. We're not talking about they just had a struggle here. They They just forsook the gospel. Well, some of these Hebrews looked like they were on the verge of doing the same thing. And so the writer's goal is to help these battle weary people press on. Some to salvation, some to spiritual growth. Notice how he does it. Look back, if you will, at chapter 10, verse 25, the passage we just read. Notice he says at the end of verse 25, he says and uh, about encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, what day is he referring to? It's the day of Christ's appearing when Jesus returns again. You ought to be getting together even more and more as we get closer to the return of Christ. Notice, if you jump down to verse 32, he says, but remember, and now he's reminding them of their persecution and how it was at the beginning. Remember the former days when after being enlightened, that means you heard the gospel, you understood it, you you endured a great conflict of sufferings partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully 
the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. He's simply reminding them of the initial persecution that they went through. Some of them had, they were made a public spectacle. Some had property taken. Some were thrown in prison. And the writer is reminding them of that. He said, but you know, there's something better for you. It's all right. You let that go. You were all right then, knowing there's a better possession and a lasting one. Verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't throw away your faith in Christ. Don't abandon him because life is tough right now. For you have need, see this, of endurance. They felt like giving up. Some of them were. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, notice that, in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. What he's saying is, hang in there. Endure, because it won't always be this rough. Christ promised you he would come, and his coming is nearer than when you first believed. It's getting closer. So what do you do with that? What do you do? He tells us in verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Meaning Christ promised that he's coming again. Trust his word. Believe it. Have faith that he is coming soon. And if he shrinks back, he's not talking of Christ now. He's talking about a believer. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God is not honored when we, when we don't believe and keep it in mind that he's coming again. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of, of the soul. He says, I have confidence in you. You are not those who will just walk away. You are those who will persevere. Now, this is a wonderful truth. He says that you must grab hold of Christ's coming by faith. Well, what is faith? Folks, that's why this leads naturally into chapter 11, the faith chapter in which the writer displays for these people great Old Testament characters who walked by faith. What is he doing? He's simply illustrating that just as these men and women, Old Testament men and women, persevered through difficult times by trusting God's word, so these Hebrews at that day and age needed to persevere by trusting that Christ is coming again. That's his point. And that leads to chapter 12, verse 1. Now, let me take you back there again. And, and this is where he's going. He says, therefore, this is, the, this is the natural application. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, all the witnesses of the Old Testament who, are, who were men and women of faith speak loudly to these people from the pages of Scripture. They witness that you can trust God, that you don't have to quit that you can cross the finish line by faith in the Lord. They did it, and we can too. Since, the, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangle, entangles us. What he means is, is take everything off that would weigh you down in the race, everything that would hinder you. Runners try to be very light in their clothing, And so he's saying, in light of the fact that we're to run by faith and and we have this marathon, get light, keep keep your focus and remembrance on these Old Testament believers. He says, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, normally that's where we stop, but that's not where the writer stopped. Because he's not only told them about great Old Testament men and women who live by faith, but now he's going to tell them about the greatest person who's ever lived by faith, and that's the greatest person, Jesus. Notice verse 2. 
Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now notice he calls him Jesus. He does not call him the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not even call him the Lord Jesus. He uses his name of humanity, Jesus, because his emphasis here is that Jesus, while on earth, trusted God the Father through all of the hassles, all of the pain, all of the persecution. Fix our eyes, fixing which means to gaze upon him, means to rivet your your eyes upon the Lord Upon Jesus, as he lived on earth, he was the author and perfecter of faith. He lived by faith better than anybody else because his faith was perfect. He trusted God through all of the the persecution. But the worst thing that Christ ever endured was the cross. He hung on the cross naked. He didn't have a little loin covering. He hung there, a shameful death, considered by the Jewish people to be a common criminal and by God to be forsaken and to be cursed? How did he do that? That was the worst thing that anybody could ever endure. Notice verse two again, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And so how did he trust God through that ordeal? The answer is given. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What this means is that Jesus was able to persevere and endure the agony of the cross because of the joy that was set before him. In other words, the joy was at the finish line. Jesus kept his eyes on the finish line. He endured the cross because he knew that when he finished this agonizing race, and entered glory, there would be incredible joy. What what joy? Well, we're given a taste of it in verse two. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is exaltation. For 33 years, he lived in humiliation. Now he was exalted. There's also the joy of accomplishing salvation. Jesus said, it is finished. It's over. The work he came to do is done. It's the joy of bringing many sons and daughters to glory. All, All of that. Jesus understood that there's a finish line and there was joy at the end. So how does this apply to to us? How does this impact our lives? His example of faith is that he trusted God as he moved closer knowing that there was an, an end to the agony. There was joy at the finish line and that is intended to keep us from growing weary and giving up. Look at verse three. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know what the writer is saying? Whenever you feel like you can't go on anymore, whenever you feel like, you, like you're gonna quit, whenever you feel like, like it's too tough to be a Christian, you fix your gaze on Jesus and you remember that, that he endured by faith knowing there's a finish line and joy was at that finish line. That's what you do. That's how you keep from losing heart. Folks, there, there is a finish line to your marathon run as well. Satan wants you to grow weary from all of the battles. He wants you to just give up. But the way of perseverance is by trusting God that there is joy awaiting you at the finish line. Whether that finish line comes by the rapture or by death, there is the joy of being with Christ. Think about that. It's the joy of being free from sin. Can you imagine waking up and not having sinful thoughts and and not having sinful motives and, and not struggling with attitudes? 
There's the joy of being free from pain racking our bodies. Imagine the joy, no more disease, no more pain and, and tears. There's the joy of being reunited with, with saved loved ones. Imagine that, what a thrill. The joy of serving and worshiping Christ with, with absolute perfection. Right now, it's imperfect. Right now, people, people complain about, well, do you sing hymns or do you sing modern? So listen, then it won't be an issue. Won't be an issue then. Then it's just pure, pure joy. We forget, we'll forget about ourselves and whether we're comfortable with certain music or not. The only thing that'll matter is that we serve and worship Christ. Someday all of your present battles will be over and you'll hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And you know what? It is the anticipation of that joy that ought to keep you running. Even though the race is hard, there's a finish line. Some of you are aware that I have run several marathon races. And I have to tell you, there's, there has been uh, none of those races that I finished and said, that was just great. That's a piece of cake. Let's do it again. Every one of them has been tough and painful. A marathon, I remind you, is always 26.2 miles. I'm always amused when people ask me, and how, how long is this one? It never changes. It's, uh, 26.2 miles is synonymous with a marathon. And uh, they have not always been easy. In fact, they, none of them have been easy. I have, I have experienced dehydration in marathons. If you've ever been uh, dehydrated, you know that there's nothing that feels worse than that. Not much that feels worse than that. I have run for 24 miles with a calf strain. I have had knee pains, blisters, uh, Achilles uh, tendonitis, as, as well as just mental fatigue. And I might add a bad attitude towards the person who encouraged me to start doing <laughs> marathon running. I have run in, in rain, not at the end of the race, but at the beginning. I have uh, run in sleet and freezing conditions. I have uh, run in blistering heat and humidity. And you might think he's crazy. And, and that may be true. But the one thing that has kept me going in each of these races is the knowledge that there is a finish line. This race will be over. It will end, and, and I try to focus on that. In fact, I've run a number of Chicago marathons, and at the end of the Chicago marathon, there is a, a tall red building. It just kind of stands out, and I, I try to, to get that in my view as we come around a certain mile, and I can see it, and, and I just want it to get closer and closer and closer. It, never, it doesn't seem that way, but I know that it's there, and, there, and I, I know that there is no greater sight than the finish line of a grueling 26.2-mile race because it means the end of pain. It means relief. It means rest. It means refreshment. It means I can eat a bagel and a banana and take some Gatorade. And there is nothing more thrilling than that. There is a, uh, there is a crowd that greets you and, and screams for you and all the other runners coming in. There is a huge clock that tells you your time. And you see the finish line and, and you think just, just a few more moments and I can rest just a little bit longer. And I think the greatest thrill is when you cross the finish line and uh, you walk for a little, a little bit. There is a volunteer who takes from a rack of, of medals and you bow your head and they put a medal on you and say congratulations. And you don't get that medal if you don't finish. It's worth it all. It's worth it all. Listen, I want you to know there is a finish line for us, far more glorious than a physical marathon. There will be an end to the battles with Satan and the world and, and our own flesh. A glorious finish line. 
I remember one day running one of the races, I saw this sign. People like to put uh, cutesy little, little slogans on their backs or um, uh, on their shirts or, or sayings or their name. But one that I've never forgotten, and I think it's true in a physical marathon as it is in what we're talking about, the spiritual marathon, is this. The, the, the saying went like this, pain is temporary, glory is forever. And that's so true. And you know, when I looked at that, you know what I thought? As much pain as I'm in, I, can, I have all winter to rest up. There's a finish line. There's glory at the end of this finish line. That really is an illustration of what it's like in the Christian life. You have the rest of eternity to, to rest up and heal. Press on now. You see, just knowing that there is a finish line, reminding yourself of your future salvation will protect you from being discouraged. That's the helmet of salvation. You gotta cultivate that. You gotta start thinking about that. You have to put that on and stop, stop dwelling on the problems on earth. They, that's temporary. Glory is forever. See, it, this is the very truth that Paul used in, in applying this, this aspect of encouragement to the, to the discouraged and persecuted young believers at the church at Thessalonica. Let's, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5. I remind you, the Thessalonians were young believers. They were new converts. In fact, just about everybody we read of in the New Testament era was, but these people especially. Paul had only been there in the city for two, maybe three weeks, and then he was driven out of town and he wrote them a letter. They, they were brand new infants in Christ, persecuted, never had gone through anything like this before. Paul writes them back to encourage them, and, and this is how he encourages them. Verse eight of chapter five, he said, but since we are of the day, meaning you now walk in the light, you're now believers, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. Here, the helmet that we're to wear is specifically called not just the helmet of salvation, but the hope of salvation. That's, that's really the point of this. It's the hope of future salvation. Because our destiny, Paul tells us, is a future salvation of being with Jesus, not wrath and punishment. When he, when he talks about, in verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, that's not, I, I don't believe that's referring to the tribulation period. I believe that's referring to eternal wrath. He's, he's de- destined us for obtaining salvation. That's the glory of this. That's, that's the destiny of, future, uh, of our future salvation, being with Christ, not punishment. See, folks, if you want encouragement and you want to be free from spiritual weariness, you want to run and not grow weary and tired, you have to discipline your mind to think like this. Remind yourself of the glory of heaven. Remind yourself, though you may not see the, the finish line now, not by, not by sight, but by faith, you see it and you don't lose heart. In fact, it's by focusing on the future that Paul, who endured a lot more trials than than we have, he kept going by knowing that there's a future. When we next meet, Pastor Steve will share with us from 1 Corinthians how it was that Paul endured so much hardship. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, this whole business of enduring the difficulties of the Christian life may sound a bit like hitting your head on the wall because it feels good when you stop. But we need to remember that in the perspective of eternity, our time here on earth is less than the blink of an eye. 
and then we face that eternity based upon the choice we made here in this life. For the one who chooses the salvation offered by the Lord Jesus, it will be glorious beyond expression. But for those who refuse him, eternity will be an unending agony. As Joshua said long ago, choose you this day whom you will serve. I hope you will choose Jesus Christ. It's time to wrap up things for today. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. If you would like to hear today's lesson again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Feel free to explore, and you will find archives of previous programs, as well as links to sign up for a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's lesson was taken, please call us at 727 421-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette. That number again is 727-441-1714. Please join us for the next Verse by Verse as we continue to study spiritual warfare and the armor of God. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by We are here to give you strength between Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.